you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Is uh, your guy? Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal in the Chris Wesseling Podcast Studio in a room, you know, moderately filled with one hero. Mark Sessler doing things a little differently this Wednesday. Yeah, well, you're a hero too, according to reports. So. I uh, I think uh, Mark and and I can handle this weird week. We've got we got a little extra. Dan's been uh, teasing it and keep an eye out uh, overnight Thursday. We've got a special episode, uh, but for this Wednesday episode, we're doing it a little different. Everyone liked the QB index episode we did a few weeks back with Nick Shook, Mark, and we thought we would get. A meeting of the minds here of the QB index writers. Me, you, Shook. It's like an old trip down to the scientist lab to fillet Mr. Shook for his rankings. I don't know. Like I'm I'm reading his his work every week. And number one, the writing has been sensational. Um I have a couple little bones to pick, so mm. I also uh we want to point out Dan Dan is expected to join us for the previews of the primetime games that will be the back half of uh, this episode, and uh, we, you know, we spend a lot of time together, Mark. Just we do, but this we week this more month. than ever. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. A so lot. let's bring in a third. It, it'll take it'll take away the tension, and it's a man. <laughs> it's a man uh, that that works out a lot, that researches a lot, that watches a lot of football. And uh, he shouldn't just be stuck on Sunday nights. I mean, that is the flagship show, so it gets the most listens. We put him in a good spot there. But we want Shook in the middle of the week. What's happening, Nick Shook? I love being in the middle of the week. I I, I don't know if I would want to be there every day like you guys, but I'll <laughs> take anything I can get. I'm happy to wow. be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I mean, uh, what what is going on in Cleveland these days, by the way? Like, uh, are, uh, the streets, are the streets wild? As we're you know set to record, we find out Deshaun Watson is out another week. Where is like the Browns fan base just on that? Do they share Mark's feeling that it's like, actually, we kind of like winning games without Deshaun Watson. This is best case scenario. I think that they're at the point where they're just tired. Like they're just like, well, we, we don't even know what to expect anymore. We're tired of asking the questions and just going to ride it out and just see what happens from week to week. The good thing is that the Browns are winning games, but you know, my biggest problem, what's going on in Cleveland right now? I got a walnut tree issue. I spent like 45 minutes last night raking up walnuts out back. I wake up this morning, yards full of walnuts again. Deshaun Watson may be the Browns walnut tree problem right mm. now. That is an incredible, it's actually. an incredible, I mean, what, do you have an issue with like nature in the winter to come, just taking care of the walnuts through organic processes versus you toiling away with a, a rake and I'm assuming a garbage can to shovel it into? I'm tired of them hitting my house and making noises and potentially damaging my roof over the years to come. That's the biggest issue. Well, you're a, and you're them, a, you know, in the trash. You're a sound homeowner. Okay. I Rick. I mean, I wish I was a, a homeowner. That's pretty like exciting. I mean, like you, you have like real, real adult issues that we don't come <laughs> up with. We have, well, we have, I also live in an area that's a lot cheaper to live in. <laughs> right. We, although they do, you know, because we're renters, you know, they do have someone that like comes in. Yeah. If there were walnuts, would rake. I love that. There, I don't, there's not a walnut in sight, but we'd have someone to take care of it, you know. So you've taken over QB Index. You've done a great job with it, Nick Shook. And uh, we're going to go through it 1 to 32 to start this show before we get to the primetime preview and uh, see where we have nits to pick and uh, see where we just want to hear your your analysis. So I'm going to start right at the top with, with the top five. We're going Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Matthew Stafford, and Lamar Jackson for number five. And uh, it's a pretty intriguing top five because normally that would be the MVP race is essentially your top five quarterbacks. And yet when I look at this list, I'm like, are any of these guys like right now a, a guy I would expect to win MVP? I guess it goes back to my point. That's like, don't worry about the MVP till after Thanksgiving. 
Uh, but at this point, like they've all had strange-ish seasons. Mahomes, I think he's playing well. I think he deserves to be number one. But his numbers before this last week, eh. Hertz has had moments, but he's had some bad moments too. Tua, Tua makes sense. Lamar makes sense. And then Stafford, who we got on you a ton for having way too low last time. Were you peer pressured, Nick <laughs> Shook, into just like boosting Stafford up? Now he's in the top five. No, no. I mean, you guys do have that effect on me. I'm not going to take that away from you. You know, I look up to all of you as I've known you wow. for about a decade and appreciate your wisdom and value it very much. But at the same time, I think I had a bit of a course correction a week ago where I realized some guys were too low. I needed a little bit of a reshuffling. And Stafford was one of those guys who made a huge leap uh, in the rankings that week. And and granted, you know, he had a hard time in this game against the Steelers in the second half specifically. But over the course of the season, I just cannot help but have to acknowledge that he's been throwing the ball among the best in the league. I mean, it's it's remarkable the difference between an injured staffer last year and a healthy one this year. First, it was making big plays with Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. He gets Cooper Cup back. That offense goes to another you know level. It's still not elite, but they're fun to watch, and a lot of it has to do with Matthew Stafford. So that's why he's up there. But this season has been weird. It, it's just been strange. I've wondered if you guys ran into these issues in the past where it's really difficult to kind of separate even the top tier right now, nobody is having one of those incredible seasons. Statistically, Kirk Cousins has an argument to make, but he also had turnover issues the first month of the season. He's number six so on just... this list, too, by the way. I, le I left him out there, but it is pretty intriguing to see Cousins sixth on the list, and I have no problem with that. I, I would say yeah. last year, I to your point, um, I got a little luckier because Mahomes looked like an MVP for large portions of the season. You had the essentially the rise of Jalen Hurts, and so they were kind of one and two for me with Josh Allen and Joe. You had the best version of, of Joe Burrow, too. So it was like that top five had very little change. But I think for readers, because these lists are all over the place, and you just talked about Stafford, but if your list tells me you're watching the games because the Ravens offense was up and down, but Lamar Jackson was not the problem there. And the way he's throwing the ball, it's just you see it on tape. And Matthew Stafford, like someone could say he's got seven touchdowns and six interceptions. It's a great case study of like numbers don't mean anything at all. Mm. When you're trying to grade and look at what he looks like, the version of Matthew Stafford we're getting right now, and we've done a lot of his throwing, like we've done a lot of that on our NFL Plus, but this version of Stafford is about the most hopeful version of Stafford we've had in two years. Yeah, it's it's actually remarkable the shift in his performance. But the guy I think that best exemplifies what you just described is Jalen Hurts because he's been the talk of the league the last couple of weeks for turnover issues, right? But what that tells me more often than not is that people are scanning box stores. They're not watching the game on a play-by-play -play basis because he does a lot of special things, whether it's extending the play. And I think two weeks ago, he threw a, he completed a pass down the sideline on third down while literally stiff-arming a defender. He was holding a defender off with his arm and threw with the other arm down the sideline for a first down. He's doing a ton of things that most quarterbacks are not doing, but when it shows up in the numbers is the turnovers. He even had a pick six last week where he thought he could throw it through the face of Cater Kohu and he got picked off and returned for a touchdown. But in between those minor mistakes, he's making some phenomenal plays. So I can't help but continue to keep him up there. But you're right. And I appreciate you noticing that, that I am watching these games. In mm. fact, I haven't even looked at the numbers unless I'm looking for something to justify my stance. I'm going almost strictly off of what I'm watching and then referring back to the numbers because I think they're misleading a lot of the time. Hmm. Yeah, Tua at three is an interesting one, too. You've had him at one at various points. I thought he actually played quite well against uh, the Eagles, and I, I don't mind a, a Dolphins fan that's, like, all fired up about the Tua MVP case. He's got a chance. Lamar's got a chance. Mahomes always has a chance. It, it's very early. Stafford doesn't have a chance, but I I love that he's uh, number four on this list. Let, let's go down to the next five. Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence. Josh Allen going down four spots in the rankings. Jared Goff is down three spots. And then Justin Herbert is at 10. So uh, we're taping this on Wednesday, going up Wednesday. Josh Allen's going to play Thursday night. He's had a fascinating season. He, he's been a little like the Bills offense. For four games straight, which is a huge chunk of this season, they were the best offense in the league. And I would say for that four-game stretch, he was the best quarterback in the league yeah but they've played seven games and there are these other three games that are just like you know a kind of a disaster week one and the other two just like leave you wanting uh what was your decision to move him down that much how do you sort of evaluate too shook like you know waiting what just happened versus 
the average game that he's played. I tried to look at like, what's the average game that Josh Allen has played this year. The hard part is like, it's hard to figure out because there has been, been no average game. It's either been amazing or just, just kind of in the weeds. Uh, you should be my defense lawyer because you okay. just created a perfect case for me. I okay. mean, it, that's exactly what I would explain that as is, is he, I can't figure out who he is. And I don't know if it's more a product of the bills offensive issues, which kind of stretches back a few years. But the thing that stands out to me the most is like Sunday was a chaotic game. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick did a great job of sending pressure to him from a number of different angles and really moved him off his spot all day. And he still found ways to make plays, but he doesn't look comfortable. And there, a few weeks ago, we were wondering if he was fully healthy because he just didn't look comfortable. He didn't look like himself. So I have a hard time kind of pinning him down on where he should be. So I do kind of value what happened most recently because it's a weekly thing um, as much as if not a little bit more than the overall product. You kind of try to blend the two. And I'm just having a hard time figuring out where he is right now. Do I think that he actually deserves to be that low right now? No, but I have concerns about their potential with him at quarterback, not because he's the problem, but because they're asking him to do too much. They've asked him to do too much way too long. They cannot run the ball. And, and you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that when they look like the best offense in the league, they also figured out how to run the ball, you know, well, traditionally, not just relying on him. So I think he'll go back up if they figure things out. It's just, it's tough to figure out right now. That's the dilemma of the exercise because to the naked eye of the reader, they're just looking at where these guys fall and, it, and they're baking in everything they know about Josh Allen, for instance, because it's like, I think there has to be some dilemma as the writer when Kirk Cousins, um, and he's playing really well, and he's always, always like statistically been better than people realize, and we are getting the best version of Kirk Cousins at moments. Is, here, he, but... is he having a better season than Josh Allen, Mark? Well, I guess like that's what my thing, think? because it's like there's part of me is like everything that I think about quarterbacks would have me select Trevor Lawrence, um, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, over the overall experience of Kirk Cousins, but you can't yeah. do that. You've got to view where Kirk Cousins sits in your world right now, but I imagine you've got some people coming at you with the back half of this top 10 just because of what we know about these uber-athletic quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Whether they think that it's fancy rankings and they tell me that some guys are on bye that week when they see the game day graphics show up on Instagram on Friday or whether it's, <laughs> you can't, I can't believe you have this guy rated below, you know, Kirk Cousins, but if, again, if you're watching the games, he's been playing well throughout the season. He's been one of the most consistent quarterbacks, save for the turnover issues. And then he went and had his best game in a long time on Monday night against the 49ers team that most expected, you know, would destroy the Vikings. So I, I just have to give him credit for what he's doing right now, considering the situation around him. He is kind of elevating this team and especially did on Monday night. Do I think that in like a vacuum that he's better than the guys he's ahead of? No, but this is this season what he's done so far, and and he's been better. I I don't think that's crazy. I would I would maybe have Allen ahead of him, but that's just because I'm waiting, trying to think about that average game and thinking, look, he's been pretty great. I I happen to just pull up PFF because I'm curious, right right as we're talking, and their top six is two in uh, passing grades, passing only, not not even considering running, where you know obviously Hurts and Lamar add a ton of value and Mahomes this year. Uh, but passing grade, Tua, Lamar, Josh Allen's actually third still, Mahomes, Goff, Cousins, Stafford. So very similar uh, to your top in terms of the passing grades. Hertz is a little lower, but then his running bumps him up. So I think it's a it's an interesting year that these like top shelf guys haven't totally separated. But it's a reminder that everyone in the NFL lost their freaking minds when Lamar Jackson was somewhat available or, or in theory, at least you could have given him a contract and, and made the Ravens pay what you were going to pay him. I guess in the end, in my mind, the Ravens were probably going to match it and not take the first round picks. But he was kind of out there and people were like, oh, yeah, you don't even really, you know, Lamar, it's, it's a weird system. Do you really want to give it? And like, here he is back in the top five. He's a top five quarterback. That's my rant. Herbert at 10. That's fine. I love Gino is like comfortably now turning into uh, Kirk Cousins, like mid-career Kirk Cousins, where when I did QB index, like Cousins was always 11 to 14. Right. And so in Stafford, <laughs> like he was always 11 to 14. And Geno's kind of there because he'll throw like three of the best passes anyone throws every week, but he'll also have one total clunker or two. And so that's why he's in at 11, like a, a very good quarterback that, that has his problems. Stroud at 12, Burrows up to 13th. I got a problem with that. Dak, at, at 14 and then Purdy at 50. I mean, if you're, you got to base it on just this season here, Shooky, and this season Burrow stunk. So I would just take the slings well, and arrow. Hold on. Hold and on. I would put him at like 20 
because for four of those games, yes, he was hurt, but that's that's what uh, you got to pick yeah, him but on. Isn't it, hold on, though. Isn't it literally a different, like, quarterback when you've seen that he's fine? He toiled through an injury, but you get the Burrow healthy, and it's like that's the Burrow okay. that we've expected. And I almost was wondering, like, do you, like, have to almost throw out the injured games because he was playing with a situation that would make any quarterback look far lesser and restart the evaluation with the healthy version. Like you're almost, he almost is getting dinged for playing he pain. He should. I guess. I don't know. I think that's the tough way to, that's a tough approach. So two things are at play here. First off, when you reorder guys and especially guys who are on bye weeks, sometimes they just inevitably move up because other guys move down. Yeah. You're seeing Burrow <laughs> that's right, move but up he's in the middle basically. Yeah. He's in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- there is also a little bit of projection on my part because he was so Ooh, drastically different like between that. being injured and being healthy hmm. that he's had one really good game and one game where the opportunities were there and the, the Bengals as a whole just didn't quite take advantage of it. That if he had played this weekend and put together another performance somewhere between those two, it would be completely justified. It's just he didn't play this weekend. So he actually just kind of sat there and just moved up because other guys around no, him I moved get it, down. but you had already moved him up from the, <laughs> the previous week and like, he was fine against the Seahawks, but he wasn't special. But that's why, look, there's a different way to do it with everyone. I remember having these conversations with our great friend, Chris Wesseling, when he did it. And I think he was closer to you, Nick, where he would add a little bit of common sense, add a little bit of projection, add a little bit of where he is right now. And I think that that's totally valid. I, I did it on like, what's their average game this year? Like, I'm just going to say, what's, what's the average performance of Joe Burrow this year? And I would say hmm. Dak Prescott yeah. is ahead of him for that. But then it's a pretty big cliff. It's funny how strong the Dalton line is. And so that's, in Burrow's obviously above it. So in the end, I'm arguing. And then I'm looking at these names, Brock Purdy, Baker, Pickett, you know, stuff like that is like, oh yeah. Well, I wouldn't be below any of those guys. Well, it so falls like, off I, the cliff around I, the midpoint. I there. sort of take, I take it all back. I take it all back, Shucky. I'm and not gonna I'm lie. A, I, I'm afraid I, of you physically. I <laughs> don't be afraid. It's not, nothing but peace and love here. Uh, I, I could I outrun you. Do you think I could that. outrun you? No. Like I uh, think you're a good runner, Greg, but I don't think you could do anything physically based on what we've. Well, seen. I know I could beat him in tennis. Um, you know, I I could compete in other sports. I feel like. Sneaky athletic. Yeah, I'll give you that. You know, you're a good average hitter, like above average hitter. And oh, in that's softball, right. Yeah, know. I was just as good a softball player. It's like no, no wow. slight. But I'm saying we each had our strengths. We were both solid. I wouldn't say we were like like, oh, like a backdoor brag session. Yeah, for Greg. Like uh, we were, we were like the superstars, but we were both solid contributors. There wasn't like a huge gap. We were, we were like Gino and Stroud on on the list of rankings. I'm saying right next like, to each other. I feel like Glory Day should be playing in the background right now. Uh, <laughs> I agonized over this ranking a little bit. Um, I actually sent one in last night, slept on it, woke up, looked at it again, and realized, oh, I got to reshuffle some of the guys Which we're going to get to. Which one? It, it, it's, it's the lower Is it Purdy? Third. Is it Purdy? Uh, no, Purdy can stay there. I, li- uh, I, I like I, that you kept him at 15. You moved you moved him down three spots. Fair. His worst game of the season. Um, two worst, back-to-back. But ultimately, like, he played... He made a lot of good throws in that Monday night game and he fell apart late. And I think you look at the body work and he's been better. Okay. The next group, Baker, pick it at 17. Whoa. Up eight spots. Mac Jones up 14 spots. Now this is just like, wow, that's just outrageous. Carr and Dobbs. Is, is Mac the one that you debated a lot? Cause 14 yeah, spots in one week. If you're going by my method where it's like, it's the average game, you, he would have to be, you know, peak Patrick Mahomes to, to move up 14 spots in one week. And he was just peak Mac Jones. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he, he didn't turn into another person, Shook. But the difference between peak Mac Jones and where he was before is so drastic. Right, but it was and, one game, but it was one game. Yeah, after well, it's, yeah, also, course, yeah. it's also the people around him. You though, said he was the worst quarterback in the league the week before. Yeah, if yeah, I'm your was, editor, he... I'm pushing back on you on this one. <laughs> That's fair. And I probably will get a little pushback, but I'm sticking by it because what I saw was a transformation. Like he went from trying to be a hero and do too much to just accepting, like, I'm going to get sacked here. I got to get the ball out here. I'm going to find this guy open. Like I was so impressed by his performance against the bills that I, I had to validate moving him up him and Kenny Pickett kind of both deserved. Um, I don't know if the jumps should have been as drastic as they were, but you also have to consider who else is on this list. And, uh, and, and I just, when I look at it in totality, I'm thinking, Who's better right now? Uh, wow. Uh, I, I think Mac and, and 
Kenny might actually end up being better than Derek Carr because I'm just so frustrated with Derek Carr. Oh, I, so th- like- I love that you brought him up because um, I think, you know, here's another quarterback that has played through pain that we'll learn later was worse than it was for part of this season. Um, but he's sitting there at 19, and I did have a question sort of attached to Derek Carr because this was the answer for me last year was like, you get you do this exercise and you write a big chunky paragraph about every quarterback, and it's almost great when like, not great that someone gets hurt, but you got a new face in there to kind of evaluate. Because you're doing, you've done this for nine or ten weeks to start in the preseason. Derek Carr was the quarterback that every week it was like, it's taking me like 15 to 20 minutes longer to write this because nothing's changed. He's like the same person to me every time. It's my own personal bias, I realize, packed into it. But it's if it's not him, is there a quarterback that when you get to that blurb every week, you're just thinking, <laughs> oh, I need to stand up and walk around or take a walk or pick up some walnuts? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> some walnuts yeah it's him uh it's Ritter uh there's a few guys where I'm just like god I just wish you would put it together over four quarters just don't make the same mistakes that you're making on a week-by-week basis with Ritter Ritter it's turnovers it's just like weird mistakes because the flashes are really good and then with Carr it's I'm gonna check down the entire first half because Alvin Kamara's return actually made me worse I think as a quarterback because now I just look to him I don't trust anything downfield I understandably don't trust my offensive line so I'm just gonna take the check down put the ball in his hands and see what happens it's frustrating to watch I mean they were booing them in the Superdome last Thursday night and I totally understood why because it's terrible football on an offense and then they all of a sudden move the ball right down the field and put two touchdowns on the board like it's nothing and he puts a pass on Foster Moreau that should have been caught for a touchdown that Foster Moreau dropped. So I'm like, what are you, Derek Carr? I'm so (laughs) frustrated with you because I cannot pin you down, and I don't have any reason to believe that he's ever going to become a fully formed Derek Carr in this offense. He's been that guy forever. To me, this is is mostly who he is, and there are some seasons, I think Gruden was a good coach for him specifically, that you can limit his weaknesses, but I got in more arguments over Derek Carr during his quote-unquote MVP candidate season than almost any quarterback I ever did this exercise with. Because until the very end, I was like, you got to watch him on a week-to-week basis. Like, he's he's solid, but he is not... Like, the stats are telling one story, and the play-to-play, like, decision-making and what he does, even though he's really talented, tell a different story. Now, that was obviously the very best version of Carr. But even when he was at his best, I was saying, like look, he's more in the 7 to 10 range or the 8 to 12 range, and I'm, I wasn't trying to give him MVPs. Uh, and uh, I got a lot of grief for that, and I, I think he fits at 19. And just globally looking at this, it really strikes me that, like, I think your top half sort of have to be who they are. I, I, I'd have a hard time having anyone argue. Like, Baker is 16th. Like he is the Dal- like a glove, right? He now. is the Dalton line yeah. this year, but that to me speaks of a a season where offenses are struggling, points are down, red zone production is down, average yards per attempt are way down, and you go back to the back half of this list, and I think it's a little crazy to move Mac up that high this week because he's been bad this year. I mean, Dobbs has been better than him, Howell's been better than him, even Ty- you know Tyrod on average certainly has been. Russell Wilson's been better than him, but then you you look at these names and it's like all these teams feel like they have a bit of a quarterback issue and that's yep. half, that's half the league. So to go through it, Carr was at 19 Dobbs is 20 Howell, 21 Ritter, 22 Tannehill. Who's coming off an injury. We'll see if he plays this week. Probably not, but he, he has a chance. Uh, Zach Wilson, Tyrod Minshew and uh, Russell Wilson. I'll, I'll stop it there. Russell Wilson is a guy you had way too high. In my opinion, going into the season, you just still had some belief in him. I think shook. And now you're burying him. And now I almost think you're overcorrecting. Uh, I would have him closer to the Dalton line. Cause I just think other than the chiefs game, he's kind of just been an okay quarterback. Like he's been to me, he's been a little bit better version of what Derek Carr is, is what we just talked about. So, so the list that you're reading off is the one that I submitted last night before I agonized and changed, made some changes. Oh, and Wilson come on. ends up being he ends up being slightly above Zach okay. Wilson. Okay, but that, it's not that, that drastic sense. of a change. But I think it makes a little bit, and that's the one where I sat back and I was like, he's definitely played better right. than Zach Wilson this year. Come on, yeah, yeah. It's just that I, I think it's yeah. my frustration. Mark, Mark has issues with out. me coming to Russell Wilson's defense. I know. I like. I have no problem with Russell Wilson just being somewhere in the the bottom ten. I think the the thing I laugh about most is after an off season of like one until like wish cast Ryan Tannehill to the Falcons that here we are uh, in late note October and you've got Desmond Ritter a spot higher than Ryan Tannehill like globally like career-wise I kind of always think I overvalued 
Tannehill last year, like he kept. No, I think up. you were right. I, I think he's been him. better like this year than Chuck's given him credit for. What if he'd play? I'd have him about seventeen right around. Yeah, Baker. did you tweet? Did that? Did that come into your like middle of the night um, consternation, or are you comfortable with that? No, that was when I actually felt like Ritter's better than him because like his good has been better than Tannehill. Save okay, for you were saying that Ritter's Tannehill good has been good. That is an opinion that hasn't been shared much on this podcast. Tell us why you think Ritter's good has been good. There was a couple of weeks ago where I watched him come off of one of his worst performances in London, and then he comes in and he's just like holding safeties with his eyes, and he's firing pinpoint passes all over the field, and his offense is moving. He's hooking up with Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and I'm like, wow, this is what he could be. It's just that what when he makes the mistakes – they're so crushing that it it keeps his value down because the complete picture has just never come in like fully into form. But I think that if he ever ironed out those mistakes, he's athletic. He, he has an accurate arm for the most part. It's just that he's young and you can tell that he's still kind of fighting through some of the growing pains. I don't, I, I don't think if I was Arthur Smith, I would have given him, you know, this type of run, but he also didn't have another option. I would have made a play for a quarterback in the off season. But I'm starting to see why he's sticking with him. And I also understand why he gets frustrated mm. when people ask about him and the quarterback situation. Because if you do watch it on a per-play basis, you're like, oh, I see the potential. I see it. It's okay. just not consistent. Okay. And yeah, they. I think teams are daring them to throw, and they've been doing it. But to me, you need to have some special traits if you're going to make that many big, big mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he's making too many mistakes for a guy, like turnover-worthy plays for a guy that doesn't add enough on his own. Tyrod is someone where the, my, the, my method of doing it, the average game, I would have him higher. So that would be one where I, I know Wes would have been different and you're obviously different. Cause how much higher like in the top 15? Cause I would just say the two games out of Tyrod to me have been above the da- Dalton line. Am I crazy? I think he's yeah, well, played pretty you- well. You can well, yeah. Concerning Tyrod, uh, I have him as the best backup <laughs> because, like, okay. it's I like what he's done. I think that the offense actually works better with him than Daniel Jones because he's safe and he's a veteran. He does what you expect a veteran to do: complete open passes underneath. He makes a little bit of plays with his with his legs. He keeps the offense going and, and avoids catastrophe, which is most important to me. But it's funny because the list that we have on the screen now, I talked about the one that I was agonizing over. As you can see, this is why you killed me for burying Russell Wilson. Down here is way below Zach Wilson before I made some much okay. needed changes. So you're kind of seeing some shifts here in in how I'm struggling with figuring out this bottom third of the league. But Tyrod, I think to his credit, has done everything you expect of a veteran. That's why you go sign that guy. They're keeping them afloat offensively. Well, we talked a little bit before the show about um, what you did with your back five here. You've got Tyson Bajan at 28, 29 is Brian Hoyer, then Jordan Love. That's Packers fans. I mean, how is Hoyer not 31 or 32? Well, that was what I was going to ask. It's like you got P.J. Walker. It goes Bryce Young. I think that's fair. He's been he's been a problem. Um, P.J. Walker down at 32. I guess I have a different question about that because I would have him higher than Hoyer. I, and you, you, I think that Hoyer you're giving some veteran cred to, but like if Deshaun Watson were playing, I just have a question. Where would he be with what you've seen? Mm. Where would he be in this list? I'm not so concerned uh, about the PJ Walker thing. Somewhere between Minshew and Bajent, probably uh, it's, wow. it's it, Watson hasn't been good. He's had one good game, one pointless game, one bad game, one good game, injured, 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 terrible first quarter. Should have had two picks right. through one. The other one was overturned. I don't like anything I'm seeing from him uh, right now. And and Walker, you know, Walker's chaotic. It's like you're living on the edge when you watch him play quarterback for the Browns because he rips off a few really nice throws every game. But there are so many throws where it just makes you go, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, he avoided an interception. He's just, It's just a little, little, little wacky with him. This is one of those moments where I think like what would we have said if we saw this going into the season it's it's week one hasn't started and you're a Packers fan or a Panthers fan well you'd be freaking out if you saw Zach Wilson's name there first (laughs) right there's a lot of those (laughs) that's true uh (laughs) and you would you'd be fast forward you're listening to the Shook QB index week eight pod with uh with me and Mark Dan coming on to preview the primetime games shortly and you would see Jordan Love and Bryce Young at at 30 and 31. And I, you know, I don't have a huge problem with you putting them there. Maybe I'd put them ahead a couple of the backups that have barely played, but it, it's picking nits. That, that's roughly the area. It's, I, I want to believe in Jordan Love. I want him to run more. You see, you see the good, but like in terms of just like knowing how to play quarterback in a way that like I always appreciate 
from the Andy Daltons and the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world that Mark and Dan like think I am pumping up these average guys, but they like know how to play quarterback at the NFL level in just like a basic way. And Jordan Love doesn't have that right now. And, and it's a little more worrisome. It's a lot more worrisome for him when he's in his fourth year and Bryce Young's in his first year. Yeah, I think what you're describing there is a lot of quarterbacks who know how to take what the defense gives them and keep themselves above water. And right? their limitations too, right. And knows how yes. to just read things out for the most part, yeah. you know, yeah. That's not Jordan Love. Jordan Love no. tries to play hero ball way too much. And the thing is, as you can see Matt LaFleur adjust in-game to where he gives him a shot early, Love screws it up, and then he's like, all right, we're just going to take everything underneath. And then the offense starts to move, and they put a couple touchdowns on the board, and you think they might do it, and then Love comes in and delivers a crushing turnover at the end of the game. It's happening too often right now. I want to believe in him, too, because early in the season, I was like, oh, look at the potential. Look at the natural ability. It's it's just not there consistently. Do you engage with the uh, people that will come at you at probably Twitter? I found it would happen on Instagram in weird places. Uh, you know, they'd be knocking on your front door. Like, uh, do you, or do you just say, you know what, I'm Nick Shook. I don't need to even respond to these clowns. Uh, I think for my mental health, I ignore most of it. Uh, Twitter, getting rid of my blue check mark a few months ago kind of hurt that because it filtered. It, it allowed some of the... The clowns back in the mentions where I could actually see them. It was filtering it out before. Mute them and block them. And that's what I do. But I did get a a, a bald joke last week, which I thought, hey, hey, you're original. And I had to clap back on that one. So Mm. it's, look, every every list is going to come with criticism. And I understand. And usually what happens is it's that person's favorite team, the quarterback, is not as high as they want. So you just kind of, is it worth the fight most of the time? No. No, and also you're like cool bald. I mean, and anyone who's bald is cool. I'm I'm not saying they aren't, but like you've got, like like if anyone came up and saw you in the grocery store, they're not going to, be talking about your bald head. You just knock. Well, now knock every every bald guy out there is like, "Am I cool bald?" Um, so you put you put <laughs> well, them. I'm in just a saying tough you spot. are. Like there yeah. could be some people where it's you know you you kind of you have got a nice stylistic choice going on there. So I'm leaning into it. I, I decided <laughs> when I, my hairline betrayed me when I was 23 years old that I was going to lean fully into being bald so much that. A uh, little bit of uh, work on the side that I do. We have bald in the title. Like I, I am embracing. <laughs> I'll be a leader of the bald gang. I'm uh, fine with that. You're, you're a leader in the in the quarterback evaluation game. You're leader on this podcast, Shook. And uh, you don't know this, but it's part of writing QB Index that um, the previous writers of QB Index have a meeting halfway through the season to decide if you should continue on. It's almost like you've. It's like an initiation. And Mark and I had that meeting today, and, and Mark will tell you the results. The results are positive, more positive than the midseason meeting that obviously went on about me because uh, it was a one-year run and then uh, moved on. But, like, uh, <laughs> Chuck, I think you could do this for as long as you wish. Yes, we did it. We did a, a mid... I remember back when we would get, you know, when we were full-time employees and you would have, like, mid-term evaluations. It'd almost be like you get a grade of how yeah. you're doing this season. That was always nervous times. You're getting an A. You're ranked number one on the QB index. Shook, thanks. Hello. Hello. Who's there? I, I, I feel who's there? I feel so honored. Oh, oh, we've got Dan Hansis in the building. Uh, Welcome much, to work. I, I don't know what it is, um, but too much bloviation. So we got to wrap this up, guys. Come on. We are going to take a quick break, and then we got Dan Hansis previewing the primetime games right after that. Thank you, Shooky. Thanks, guys. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right. Welcome back. Welcome me. I'm Dan Hansis. You just heard me. Welcome. Um, I am um, very confident on how the first half of the show turned out. Yeah. Do you, from a distance, do you approve of our our work? Yes. Highly. I mean, I trust you guys. I think it was a spicy. There will be a study. There will be a close study post show. (laughs) Okay. But I have no doubts. I, good, Greg, right? I thought it was no, a noble of you. You said, look, I've, I've never written QB Index. Am nope. I qualified to even be on this Not part of the podcast? <laughs> Not at all. I, don't, I, I couldn't even talk about quarterbacks. I've never written the article. No, no. I mean, just one of those uh, selfless moves that, you know, sometimes doesn't show up in the box score. But, no, it's like, but it, oh, no. that guy gets it. I think when there's a massive <laughs> retrospective on your entire career, it's going to be dotted with moments such as this. <laughs> um, all right. So there we go. Fun talk with... 
Nick Shook there. And now let's pivot to week eight. Week eight. How about that? And the island games. And oh, my goodness. This, this gives you an idea of uh, what we're up against as a uh, football republic uh, island game-wise. We couldn't lock any of the favorites uh, in these three games we're about to talk about because they're, they're <laughs> all the dogs are eight points uh, at least in terms of in the hole uh, from the desert standpoint. I don't think that's ever happened. Weird, w- weird week for it's the. It's got to be very rare that that's ever happened. All three of the island games. I don't know. Let's get to it. The Bucks um, of Tampa Bay at three and three, coming off a very disappointing uh, performance. I thought against the Falcons at home, and they really had a chance, I thought, to um, stranglehold's very strong for any team in this division, but really kind of announce themselves as a, a favorite in that division. Instead, you let the Falcons get away with a win there, and now you've dropped into the middle of the pack, and now here is an angry Buffalo team. Mark, I say that <laughs> on Thursday night that, uh, then, oh, yeah, so obviously what's going to happen here is the Bills are going to destroy the Buccaneers here in primetime, and they probably will, and that's why the spread is so high but we have reached a point with with the bills where it's hard to trust what version you get week to week which is a very tricky situation for a team that fashions itself a super bowl favorite it yes and they've been getting in their own way and the josh allen experience has been a frustration um the entire offense has been a frustration i think we sort of hit it on the on the head a couple times where it's like they feel like they're missing an element um could it be a big game for someone like dalton kincaid I think if you're Buffalo, though, here's where I could paint where the victory comes from for me. The Bucks have been revealed to me as a one-dimensional attack. Like, when, when you got this better version of Baker Mayfield, all right. Because um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they can still do it. But if you found a way to get one of those guys out of the picture, your, your, your collection of running backs are the worst in the league. Rashad White is averaging three and a half yards per carry. Kishan Vaughn, 1.9. Sean Tucker, 1.5. So it's a one-dimensional offense that can be shut down. Um, I think this other one little other factor I throw in there is that Vita Vea is dealing with a litany of injuries. He is a huge difference maker that could impact the Bills. And if he's not on the field, they're just not special. Yeah, the Bills confuse me because they started this season believing, wow, they finally got a running game. They finally got it going. And I think James Cook, who, who went over 100 yards from scrimmage again last week, is really a good player. But they're not a consistent running team. They're not a consistent, like, we need three yards on third and three. We can go get it. They're inconsistent offensively, I think, in large part because Josh Allen isn't running. The whole offseason story of, like, well, Josh Allen's got to be more careful. Josh Allen's got to do this. Totally get it. It makes sense. It's also hurt their offense significantly. He is on pace this year for less than half of the rushing yards that he had a year ago, less than half, less than half of first downs. And you could say, okay, you look at it. You had 55 first downs on the ground last year. That that's as much as some or more top shelf running backs. And they're always in key spots. Like when you need it, like a third and four and he goes and gets it. And so I think that's part of it, finding that balance. And it's a tough defense to run against Tampa. They're still pretty solid defensively. They're not special, but, this Bills def- offense, the way it's playing, you would think that they keep them under 23 and they keep it a close game. Yeah, like you don't have to squint too hard to see this as turning into a, a close game or the Bucks even having a chance, which again is <clears throat> an indictment of where the Bills are at at this point of the season. And you look at the Bucks, what have they done well this season? They've protected the quarterback. Um, Baker has not been sacked a whole lot. The Bills pass rush. You know, Von Miller played six snaps against the Patriots. Yikes. Uh, and uh, he's coming off that right knee injury, and he has not been a guy. And then you put, if you could protect Baker, we know he could get hot. And then you put a lot of pressure on the Bills secondary. And, of course, they're, you know, they're missing guys. They're, this Bills team, part of it is the, what Greg just brought up about Josh Allen, a little bit of mystery about some elements of his play and the inconsistencies of the offense. But when you take out Tredavious White with the Achilles tear, and then you take out Matt Milano, who was like the heart and soul of the middle of that defense, it, it shouldn't be surprising that the Patriots went down the field at the end of that game. And they, is this a case of one of the reasons why they're not playing so well is they've lost too many key guys on that defense to be special there, and then the Bills' offense has not been consistent enough to make up the difference. Our, our friends at Next Gen Stats have some good stats right on that 
point that since Milano went out, their success rate allowed on throws over the middle has gone from 50%, which is quite good, to 72.5%. And Mm. the time to throw for opposing quarterbacks is also way up. So quarterbacks have more time. They're not getting the pass rush. Ed Oliver got hurt in that Patriots game, too. He's questionable. So that's another pass rusher. And Milano being gone, like, you can hold the ball and you can find guys open. Yeah, I mean, you could in in the Patriots, who were just a disaster on the ground, uh, we're gashing the Bills up the middle, and it's like Matt Milano, it's like his absence looms absolutely large on this. And I thought that, you know, Sean McDermott has done, up until these injuries, had a, did a real nice job calling this defense, you know, with no Leslie Frazier there this season. But I, I, I flipped the, to the other side, too, where Ken Dorsey, outside of, like, you know, the Matt Canada thing that's going on, like, the Bills are going to be in a tough situation if they can't handle business quickly in here because I think Ken Dorsey's the kind of guy that could have the entire stadium like mm. ushering booze down. And this is like, this Bill's experience is so far away from where we even were a couple of weeks ago where they were like utterly dominant. Ooh, Their right. offense looked completely dominant. And I thought last year, the Bills, you know, there was injuries with Josh Allen, but it's like they got streaky. And to see them go do it all over again now, it's just like, this is a tough team to figure out. They make a trade. They, they really strike me as a team. If you want to yes. put Jerry Judy on a team, or Hop, DeAndre Hopkins or someone like that, man, the Bills would be a good spot for Derek one of Henry? those guys. You know what? I, if I'm the Bills, we are batting it down the hatchets. If, I'm, if I am uh, Sean McDermott, I am emptying out the chamber in terms of my pregame uh, speech. If I'm the operators in that stadium, I'm turning off those stupid heat, lamp, heat, heat lamps in the mezzanine loge uh, of the, the Bills' home stadium. <clears throat> What's it called these days? What do you do when you're? You know those. Off? Isn't it a little bit? You, yeah, Roberts. You gotta say like. Well, first of all, it's Highmark Stadium now. Highmark Stadium. It was New Era Field. I call it the Ralph. Still. Listen, I am a native New Yorker. Further south is where I grew up. But Western New York, these are yeah. these are uh, uh, they are firm humans. Yeah. They yes. are they are salt of the earth in most cases. And yeah. then uh, they're tough people and they're hardworking people and decent people. And then you see this heat yeah. lamp across the loge, and it's like. <laughs> Where is like that old Western New York mentality that you need when when the uh, chips are down in a game like this? Well, I am born and raised in California, so I can't speak on it. I get cold. But where like, is I it, get Eric? Like 60, but I do get what you, I didn't know what it was at first when I first started seeing. It, I was like, "Oh, those are cool lighting," and I'm in a bunch of Bills fan Facebooks. And it's like, for the Buffalo Elite. Yeah. So <laughs> there was questions about when those heat lamps get turned on. Turn and, them yeah. off. <laughs> what? And and nut up. Let's go. What one fly in the ointment here? It's expected to be in the 60s. Uh, Fahrenheit here and, for this and game guess what? in Buffalo. I bet they'll have those lamps on. Yep. The Buffalo Elite. Yeah, the Elite can't do six. Drinking degrees. their champagne, right. champagne and, dr- and eating the brie. They shouldn't be in that. Wow, we're, we're, get them out. It's in a place for elites. We're breaking seventy here in Buffalo, late October. Hey, um, all right. Save it for the global warming <laughs> podcast. Anyway, but in all seriousness, I think this is a such an important game for the Bills. Obviously, it's set up well for them to kick ass. But if they don't, like you could. It's going to be more than just the the Loge red because you're going to flick the red panic switch and the red lights are going to go on all around this organization and, and throughout Western New York. Bet, they're going to go to Cincinnati next week. Too. Bet, best primetime game of the Win. week, actually. I, I, well, the eight points is too much. I'll be listening to you guys on that recap. Enjoy. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, the Chicago Bears are back in primetime. Uh, and Tyson Bajan is in primetime because Justin Fields with that uh, hand injury uh, will not be making the start. So Bajan, who <clears throat> I think I heard during the telecast, it was something crazy, like hundreds of tickets that he purchased uh, for friends and family uh, for his first start, and he played well, and the, and the Bears uh, won convincingly. Um, so that was a perfect day. Now, Bajan's in primetime against the Chargers, and again, the home team here, Los Angeles, um, they should be in good shape here, Mark, because they're a better team. They're a deeper te- team. The Bears are playing a backup quarterback uh, without a lot of heat to them, despite uh, a good good game last week. But you know what the Chargers do. The Bolt's going to find a way, like Daniel Jeremiah said in the viewing room a few weeks back, I don't care if you put some junior high team on the field, that game will come down to a field goal at the end. Is this what we're going to get? Yes. That's yeah. why eight and a half points is like, I mean, I, I understand the opponent, but that's a lot of trust in a team that I have no trust in. It's a team that has two wins that have come against uh, the Raiders, which is self-explanatory. That game and was a, close. Right? And a Vikings. And the Vikings. So it's like this team has gone up and been walloped and been shown to be fraudulent to me on a lot of levels. I don't like what's happening 
um, in general with the offense uh, outside of Justin Herbert doing Justin Herbert things. They in that opener, I had incredible hope with what was happening on the ground without Eckler in, in a number of these weeks. They weren't the same. I get the injury there, but they've been held under 61 yards rushing in three of five games, putting a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert. The other thing that happened last year at the end of the year that I thought that was part of their undoing, Mike Williams is kind of like the secret sauce in this passing attack. I think when he's out, he's not in there. It changed a lot for Keenan Allen. And it's like, cool, great spot for Quinton Johnston to step up. Um, your high draft pick, he has seven catches on the year. And so they're suddenly out of sorts. And I'm not saying it's an opportunity for a terrible Bears defense, but the Chargers are not giving us what we thought. No, their star players aren't. No, now, the players they've invested a lot in. Quinton Johnson, great example. Because, look, Darius Davis, the return guy, is getting more work than Quinton Johnson uh, as a rookie in that offense. I mean, they don't trust their running game. They're, they're handing the ball off to Darius Davis in big spots. They can't get three yards on the ground. They're very frustrating. And I don't think this is the same Bears team. I think it's a terrible line. I'm not feeling needing the stress of the rainmaker on this game, but <laughs> the Bears defense has played much better the last three weeks. I'm, they, they're just like back to being potentially a normal defense. Now you can look at the opponent Raiders. Uh, that was pretty easy. Commanders. Uh, they played well. Vikings. They did a nice job. They're also healthier. Jalen Johnson's playing well at cornerback. Jaquan Brisker. Uh, is out there. Kyler Gordon is back. They've gotten just a little bit of pass rush, and they're just like, they're, they've looked more just like a defense versus the Eberflus tire fire, and you flip it to the Chargers, who have been a tire fire defensively, because they're not getting anything out of Joey Bosa. Joey Come Bosa. now. Let's go, Joey Bosa. Even Derwin James, has this been a, like a great Derwin James season? It's unfair to like point at the best players sometimes, but he, you're making all that money. He's not making like a massive impact. And Bosa has been quite quiet. They say he's playing through an injury, but it's fine. That's what he's always doing. Derwin's PFF it. score this year has fallen off a cliff. Really? Compared to other years. And also playing through an injury is Justin Herbert. And, you know, I was uh, dubious of this uh, initially because sometimes it's on my radar about excuses being made for Justin Herbert. And then it was like, well, this injury is affecting him as a passer. And it was like, well, it's a broken finger on his non-throwing hand. But you look at the stats, he's had one of the worst three-game stretches of his career in terms of production since he hurt that finger. Uh, he's missing throws. Uh, he had, against the Raiders, career lows and completions and passing yards. He's had less passing yards in the last three games than any span in, in his career. And uh, it does affect him. Uh, as a quarterback, it, first of all, he says he's in constant pain, and that just sucks because you wanted him to go through a full season healthy. Also, he's now handing off with uh, his right hand exclusively, so just changing the way he does, but but still, it's not his throwing hand. And a, he got a huge contract in the summer, which he deserved, and he has the upside. Again, Greg, I know this draws criticism from certain corners of the football cognizante. But come on, Justin. Like, you're on pace for about 23 touchdown passes this season. Start lighting up some teams and start in prime time against a bad Chicago outfit. Yeah, I think he's got enough at Light him up, Greg. Receiver with Josh. Josh Palmer's playing pretty well. Keenan Allen's more of a two. It's not an exciting group, but the, the offense overall is disappointing. I just don't expect them to light it up. They just haven't put up big, big point totals. I think the Bears are playing better. This is a huge moment in Brandon Staley's career. This is their Sunday night game. They chose not to flex it. A little surprising there. The combined winning percentage for these two teams has to be lower than any Sunday night football game. The Chicago market. I, guess, I, the I, only I, I get it. So and, yeah. and L.A. and SoFi. But I just mean, if you're Brian and Staley and you lose, your defense loses to Tyson Bajan on Sunday night football. He gone? Are, are you? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But it starts the march to he gone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not hard to envision like interim head coach. Kellen Moore a couple weeks from now if that occurs on Sunday night. Bench me. Well, I'm not suggesting that it's, you know, erotic or anything uh, or attractive. It just, it is what it is. Why did, oh, you literally pinched me. That, I will be marching up to HR immediately after this. Although I did uh, touch my buttocks on my way in the studio. Right. Today. So if that, I, if I'm able say to, that, you know, don't say that. What? But he consented. I want, fact. I didn't consent. Doesn't matter. I want everyone to stay here. They we just implied. had to start the episode. Well, you start just started it by physically touching. Well, you, I was just following your command. I know, but you also came in very slowly. <laughs> it was it odd. Was, it was, well, it's it was hard almost to, predatory. It was, it's hard to it was reach. Like, what is he hard, doing? It's hard to reach. Okay. He, okay. 
Let's get back on track. So, yes, big game for the Chargers, and uh, it'll be fun to root for Tyson Bajan at the very least. It is. He's an. He's like. No, I'm oh, with you. No, I, I'm like with the you. Considering the records rest. of these two teams, I'm. I'm into watching it. I mean, if you're a Bears fan, you much rather have seen Justin Fields starting to build up that other primetime game a couple weeks ago. But that's not the way this season seems to be going for a lot of teams. Every time you want to get excited, somebody gets hurt. All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Let's close it out. <clears throat> gate night. What's gate night to you guys? No clue. Uh, gate night. I mean, yes. uh, typically it's associated with some sort of controversy, but is it like you're trying to reel people into a stadium, like get a lot of gate, a lot of tickets? Incorrect. Gate okay. night, uh, where I grew up uh, in the suburbs outside of New York, were, uh, that is the name uh, for the night before Halloween, uh, where there is some um, mischief in the air and the bad kids, the dirtbags, yeah. um, the uh, skids, uh, will go out with eggs and toilet paper and create havoc. Now, this is also known in other a- areas of this country as I think Devil's Night or Mischief Night. I, mischief I always night. I knew it as Mischief Night. So, always thought that was interesting. October thirtieth, Monday Night Football Gate Night, at least in Pearl River. I don't get the gate part of it, but it's uh, who knows. Just call it like Hooligans Paradise. You know, it sounds like in your Ooh. town. Gate Night. I'm just gonna do a quick. Oh, okay. There you go. Gate Night has a Wikipedia page. Is it G-A-T-E or G-A-I-T? G-A-T-E. Around New York City, Connecticut, Winnipeg, weird, and Rhode Island, a particular night, commonly the night of the 30th to the 31st of the October, during which young people play pranks and do mischief. There's got to be a better way to say that. In their (laughs) neighborhoods. All right. I'll keep an eye out. You didn't have anything like that in Western Mass? There was no Devil's Night or anything? Very well behaved up there. What about in the no, we did the Tony Mi- streets of Connecticut mischief night? But I never. I mean, heard there was skate. There was plenty. Uh, there was a lot of uh, TPing and eggs and whatnot. But I feel like that was just on Halloween. I think I, I would agree more that it just occurred that on that. All right, the actual holiday, if that's what we call calling Halloween. Monday Night Football: The Las Vegas Raiders back in prime time. Last time, I believe it's their last time in prime. They kind of front loaded these teams as they typically do uh, to get the markets covered and uh, the to our displeasure fan bases. Um, the Raiders three and four, uh, coming off, uh, an ugly, ugly loss against the bears. We got a TNF versus the chargers in week 15. Come on. Well, they play, play the jets on Sunday night and also play. That's a flex. The chargers. What is on happening? Thursday night. That's gotta be moved. Maybe flex the jets. One out uh, the Raiders at, um, the Detroit lions. Now here is a blowout. I can get behind confidently. Um, and I understand, like, geez, like, what the hell happened? Greg, what happened? Because we had a conversation a week ago uh, where I said, you know, I think that Detroit is the third team in the NFC. And then you kind of built off that with some more hyperbole. And we were we were all in the same, like, bed here. I'm still with that. We were all I'm celebrating that, oh, why? They're beyond even questioning at this point. But then they get absolutely pantsed by the Ravens. And... Truly great teams don't get pants to that level very often. Uh, my feeling is that they are going to beat the Raiders by potentially 30 points here, uh, but they also might be now just entering a funk themselves. They, they have talked about that they got a little high on their own supply. They got con- I don't know. Sometimes, I hate that. Sometimes I just think well, that's something you that's say afterwards because going into that game, they certainly wouldn't have thought that they were. I'm sure the same thing with teams sure that are high confident. on their own supply. That's when they start really rolling and just rolling through portions of schedule. So I don't. I, I think me. they want to be bullies, and I think they found a team that was more physical than them on both lines, and that was a little stunning. It's like if you're if it's like if you're the Eagles and you play a team that can beat you up front, you're like, oh, wh- what are we doing? And the right the Lions' defensive line, especially, I think, is vulnerable um, to having off weeks against truly elite uh, offenses. But that's not going to be the case here. I think they'll get enough pressure on whoever's playing quarterback. There's one report from ESPN that it's probably going to be Aiden O'Connell. If Jimmy G is not ready, Jimmy G hasn't been medically cleared. He has that back injury. We're taping this on Wednesday. So it's just too early in the week to know as last week, there was a lot of confidence that Jimmy G would come back for this game. I hope he does. Cause I, I think that would make it a little more watchable, but honestly, the Jimmy G we've seen for the Raiders, I think is going to struggle in this matchup, the the one thing if you're the Raiders that you'd be excited about is these Lions cornerbacks are banged up. 
and you would just hope, can you take advantage of Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers with some mismatches on the outside? That's your only chance. I like I I I don't like forgive or excuse what happened to the Lions um at all. I think it's like they are a a, a young new good team. You know, it's like they haven't been through like a 7-year experience under the same coach doing this. And so like their two losses um have been like terrible losses mm. and like they've taken care of business um pretty consistently every other week. I mean, to the point that that was they had a 15 game streak broken of scoring 20 plus points. And I think if you uh, the Raiders by the way haven't scored 20 points this season. They're the reverse inconsistency in the wrong way. And they're the yeah. I think they're the first team, I forget for how long it is, but that is extremely rare for a team to not score 20 points for seven Well, and especially in 2023, when you so-called brought in an offensive-minded creative coach that was going to jazz up this offense. Got instead, you got a bunch of players that they didn't do anything to fix the line. I think that's a big problem. you got a hurt quarterback. It's not helpful at all. They can't, I think the ground game has been totally shaken up by the fact that they can't run block very well. Um, I, I think the one little thing that stands out here, and it these stats typically I would never even look at, but like Goff's home and away splits are insane. Like he has 30 touchdowns and five interceptions since last season at home. He doesn't make mistakes at home. And I think if you get some of these guys that have been banged up, I don't know what we're at with David Montgomery, but they spread the ball around really well. And it's like, I would be stunned if they don't show up with their hair on fire under Dan Campbell in this contest and absolutely take care of business. I'm trying to find, because it's becoming a wild thing, a wild situation with Josh Jacobs. And yeah, the running, the offensive line plays a part always in the run game and, and the passing game affects the running game. Uh, but he's averaging less than three yards a carry. This is the rushing champ last year and a guy that was at least, or should have been in the consideration for offensive player of the year for what he did for the Raiders last year. What's the best uh, advanced metric on this yards above expected? I mean that there's... like, I'm curious if like, if that, that type of data um, helps his cause or makes him look even worse. Uh, I haven't seen when I've watched this team, I think for a the... lot of big holes for Josh Jacobs, but right. I maybe it's a com- combination of two things, a guy that took the summer off uh, and a, a, a running game in general that took a step back or an offense that took a step back. I think he's, can we find that? Had, s- had some plays where he looks like Josh Jacobs, and then I'm not that worried. But I think to be as unproductive as they have been, it's a combination. They're 24th in run block win rate, so they're not, not good. running. They're not opening holes. But he's clearly not making enough people miss. That's always been his move: is to make people miss. He's not a big playmaker, but he makes the first guy miss. He picks up like eight yards. He's not doing that enough. There was a play in last week's game where you know, free rusher comes in in the backfield and he loses four yards. But I did think like, man, would he have made that guy miss a year ago? Maybe. All right. Anything else in this game? No, let's show up Raiders. Cause you know, I'm, I'm invested in these Monday night games. I'm doing that work for, for channel five. It's sure. like, it's three whole hours. Like That's and long night. It was only, so. it was only three hours. It was only three weeks ago that we had Raiders Packers on Monday night. And now we got another one. Like, give me something. Give me some schedule makers on a, tab of LSD when they were putting these night games together. This is an unfriendly site, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, they're gonna, I will watch them. That's what I'll do. Oh, good. Turn I, off my mic. I'm also glad. By the way, uh, David Montgomery, probably not going to play. They have a bye week next, next uh they, They've week. been the same without him. Win this, win this game, though. Win this game, and you get to 6-2, and two and you're at your bye, and it's a very successful first half of the season. For Sorry, I'm, you, I'm furiously Googling Josh Jacobs rushing yards over expected, and I am not successful at this time i feel like that's a good <laughs> sign of that being a problem yeah um all right that's it you'll you'll just have to live in mystery listeners or find it what a mystery it is <laughs> all right uh, uh he is ranked third to last in the league in rushing yards over expected so he's 76 yards yeah. under expected uh can you guess who number one on that list is you mentioned him earlier dalvin cook as a big time issue and that his team needs to upgrade in this very preview section was it a tampa bay buccaneer i mean just say the name god white there you go Hmm. i mean you could pick from a couple of those guys i could i literally could not believe my eyes watching that game against the falcons (laughs) how bad their running game was all right let's uh let's go uh we got uh, a lot more good stuff coming up uh, this week. Uh, Connie Fox in the foxhole with Connie. Our next step. Do not miss it. Until then. That's an important metric, Marcus. 
It's just it's there's the data, yes, and then the underlying data. No, I'm not disagreeing that it's of its importance. Pop the hood, Sassy. Heed the call. <laughs>